All right, let's uh, bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to fellowship together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us examples in Scripture in which we might live by. Father, we just ask that as we open up your word here this morning that you would quicken it to our hearts. Reveal to each and every one of us what you would have us to understand this morning. Show us, lead us, guide us, and direct us, and prepare us to be what you've called us to be. These things I ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. And we have uh, seen over our past few weeks the many... I'm getting some feedback somewhere. Um... this on? Yeah. We've seen over the past few weeks the miraculous things that God has done to show not only the Egyptians, but the Israelites too, His sovereignty, His power, His authority, in plain sight. Things that you can't even imagine. Things that we can't even imagine. Even though we read it. We, we can't, I, I mean, can you imagine locusts coming and covering the earth? Can, can you imagine all the water being turned to blood? I mean, it's just things that, if, if you know, we sit here today and we say, if those things took place before my eyes, how in the world could I not immediately know that that God was doing something. But remember, it's because He had hardened the Egyptians' hearts. And He continued to harden their hearts and in order that He would continue to pour out these things on them to make an example of them. Now, like I said a few moments ago, this was done in front of... This was done as just as much to the benefit of the Israelites as it was the Egyptians. More so, maybe. But, but all of these things that the Israelites are sitting and watching take place before their eyes, and, he, and what did God do in some of those? He protected them from it, didn't He? He shielded them from it. And we're going to see here in this, this uh, last plague, some very important things that I want to point out. Now this is a long chapter and I am going to read it verse for verse. So just relax. Take your coat off and just relax. So Exodus chapter 12. <coughs> Excuse me. The Passover instituted is what mine says here. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, This month, shall be the beginning your beginning of months it shall be the first month of the year to you speak to all the congregation of israel saying on the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father a lamb for a household and if the household is too small for the lamb let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons according to each man's need you shall make your count for the lamb your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep and from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. 
Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Now he's laying out a very specific order of events and directions for these people. Okay? And it, it is... I, I want you to keep in mind... I mean, have, do you ever know anybody? Isn't there always one rogue in the group? Isn't there? No matter what you're doing, you always got somebody who's going to be rebellious and try to do it there another way. But he's laying out a very specific set of directions for these people and what to do. Let's go, let's go on. Now you shall keep it, verse 6, into the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. Two doorposts and over the top. <clears throat> then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boil it at all with water, but roast it in fire, its head and its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, or what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire, and thus you shall eat it. With a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, why fire? Cleansing. How does the Bible tell, tell us we're cleansed? Through our fiery trials, right? Fire. He said, don't boil it. Don't eat any raw. He said, but put fire to it so that it can be completely roasted. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike, I will strike, hold on, on fire. How's he, how is he going to clean this earth when he comes back? Fire. Right? Completely, completely clean it. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you and destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. By the blood of Jesus on the cross, we will be passed over judgment. The blood of a perfect lamb on the cross. And here we have, a, a, the, at that time, the, the a, a spotless lamb that we're going to take blood from you, do you see the connection? You should. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. A sign of what? Protection. A sign of fellowship with me. That you are mine. 
that, I, that, that you are a part of my kingdom. And the only way that they could, they could be a part or associated with, with the Heavenly Father was to follow this set of ordinances. The only way you and I can, can, can be associated with the Father and be a part of the kingdom is through the blood of the cross. Period. <clears throat> now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The plague of sin shall not be on you if you're covered in the blood of Jesus. You will not be destroyed if you are covered by the blood of Jesus. You see, the, you see how it parallels? So this day, in verse 14, This day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. What is the significance of unleavened? Sin. Leavened is, is like yeast. It makes the bread puff up. What does sin do to the, to the, the human nature? You shall keep the feast of... Uh, where, where was it? Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove the leaven from your houses. What is that? Temptation. That's a sign of temptation, isn't it? He said, get it out of your house. Get sin out of your life so that you're not tempted. You shall remove the leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. What cuts us off from God? Sin. Leaven. On the, verse 16, On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done of them, but that which is in which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Salvation. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations and as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month of the fourteenth day of the month at evening you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For the seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses since whoever eats what is leavened that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. He, he, he was pretty aggressive on making the point of not eating unleavened bread. I mean, of eating unleavened bread, wasn't he? That same point goes for us when we talk about sin in our lives. The moment that we see sin crop up in our lives, we should... Repent of it and, and get it out of our lives. We, if, what happens when you let it linger? Just like the leaven in the bread, it keeps, what does it keep doing to us? Growing inside of us. 
think about those of you who have ever made homemade bread. And when you add the yeast to it, what, what do you let it, when you put it in the oven, what does it do? And I guess, as long as you leave, I don't know, I'm not, I don't have my bread, but I guess it just keep going. Maybe not. But, but the point is, is what does the yeast do to the bread? It makes it swell, doesn't it? Well, think about when we have sin in our life and we don't deal with that sin and we don't repent of that sin, what happens? Doesn't it just keep growing? Doesn't it just keep building? And then it just spills over into something else? And before you know it, we, we, have, we have fallen off the, the ship. Because we didn't deal with that sin when, we, when the Holy Spirit convicted us of it the first time, we, we didn't take heed and recognize it and repent of it. If we had have dealt with it when it first cropped up in our life, we could have avoided a whole lot of trouble. Me too. Me too. Verse 24. And you shall observe this thing, uh, and you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as He promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, "What do you mean by this service?" that you will say, "It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over our houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when He struck the Egyptians and delivered our households." so that the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded and, and commanded Moses and Aaron, and so they did. Now, before I leave this, I, I want to talk just a moment about this. There had to be, in order for, in order for God to save His people from this, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a remission offered for the sins that separated. Otherwise, they were no different than the Egyptians. Were they? So, so the blood, which is a representation of Christ's blood, the lambs, which is a representation of Christ, you see, God's consistent all the way through Scripture. He doesn't change. All of this is pointing where? To the cross. Every bit of this is pointing to the cross. And he says, you will remember this throughout the ages. It should be a reminder of you that, that there, had to, there had to be a separation. In a, in a little while, we're going we're to get to the circumcision. And, and, and that separated, that was a sign of separation from God's people to those of the world. All right. Verse 29. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of, the, of livestock. 
So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Now, he already told Aaron and Moses and Israel there was going to be a great cry, didn't he? But, but look here, God didn't miss one household. What does the Bible say? Every tongue shall come, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. There's not going to be one left out. Every single individual that's ever come into an existence is going to have to bow before the God and admit that He is Lord. Not one will be missed. Not one will be untouched. He said not one household was there not one dead. Then he called for Moses. <clears throat> then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, "Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said." Now can can't you picture it? Pharaoh probably was in a desperate, dramatic fashion. Please get out of here. Go serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also. He's still concerned about who? Himself. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. Who are they concerned about? Themselves. We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes. And Now, the, the Israelites are out here. They're not, they're not expecting this at this moment. They're, they're doing their normal thing, whatever normal is. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, here they say, get out of here. Get out of here. So they picked up their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they had requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Weren't they told they were going to get to do that? Can't you? I can just see it. Uh, I'd like to have just take it. Just get out of here. Take what you want and leave. All the, their gold and silver and, and, and valuable things, they didn't care. All they were worried about was themselves dying. Get out of here. Leave, please, hurry. What are you waiting on? Let me help you put it in your, on your donkey. You can have it all, just leave. Verse 37, Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. Think about that. 600,000 men, not counting the children. And a mixed multitude went up with them also. And flocks and herds and a great deal of livestock. 
And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened. Because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. So they were unprepared. They just threw that, that they had just the dough that they had been they just threw, they just gathered it up and left. So so now they've stopped to cook it, I guess. Now, uh, verse 40 says, Now the, the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the enemies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is the night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Verse 43. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. Now listen, watch very carefully. No foreigner shall eat it, but every man's servant who, who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. You say, well, we don't necessarily observe that anymore but let me tell you something to be a, a part of the family of the God you had to be you got to be circumcised of the heart you have to be circumcised of the heart to take part in the family of God there had to be an act of separation from the world for these servants to become a part of the Israelite family and to to be able to partake in what the Israelites had been had been given by God At no point can anyone enter into the kingdom or partake of the kingdom of God unless they've been circumcised of the heart. No foreigner shall eat it, but every man's servant who is bought with money, when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it, then he may partake. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when the stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. Picture of salvation, isn't it? You can't partake of fel true fellowship with God unless you've been saved. Unless a transformation has taken place. Now, verse 49, One law shall be for the native-born and for the stranger who dwells among you. Thus all the children of Israel did, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. He has laid out for them very strict instructions. He's laid out for you and I very strict instructions. Yes, eat now that we that 
we don't have to try to follow the law because of grace and because of what was done on the cross. But we still have to be obedient. We still have to be obedient to the things, the, the attitudes and the, and the precepts of God. We're not just free to roam around and do what we want to do and say, oh, well, grace. There's a bunch that do that. There's quite a few who do that. Oh, yeah, well, I made a mistake. God, you know, because of grace. Grace. It's all about grace. It is about grace. It is about grace. Applied in the right way. We still have a responsibility to, to be obedient. Yes, we are a fallen being and we are going to sin and we're going to make mistakes, but we have got to recognize that and, and immediately repent and get our lives right in order for that grace to come in and, 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 and forgive us and put us back on track and for, in order for mercy to be bestowed on us. We can't live a life of, 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 of running around hollering, oh, yeah, I did. I, I. Grace. Where's the repentance in that? Where's the changing in that? You can't go from, from deboggle to deboggle hollering grace and there's never been any repentance. There's never been any change. doesn't work that way. There has to be circumcision of the heart take place. And I'm going to tell you something. When true circumcision of the heart takes place, the rest of it will fall in line. Because the Holy Spirit inside of you will quicken you and convict you of your sin and talk to you. We were having this conversation on the way home from Houston yesterday. It may take, it may take a little while for it to, to really soak in what's going on, but at some point, the Holy Spirit is going to awaken you to your sin. And you are going to have to turn from that sin and walk a different way. That's grace. That's mercy. That's forgiveness. But you see, these folks were given a very strict order of events to, that take place. And, and I, I, it just blows my mind how they ever remembered it all. I mean, I'd have been like, uh, hey, Moses, can, can I do this? I, 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 you said, but is this okay? After watching what had taken place in Egypt, wouldn't... wouldn't I, Fear of God would have, I mean, I, I just don't, I can't imagine nobody not fearing God. But very strict instructions. Very clear lines to follow on who could and who couldn't. And on if we brought an outsider in, what had to take place for them to take part? Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Amen? Because I'd, I'd have never... Whew, I would have never made it. Very, very detailed instruction.
circumcision of the heart. We take it for granted. We take it for granted what, what, what Christ did on the cross. That, that we might partake in the family of God. And yet we have folks standing in pulpits every Sunday morning failing to reveal the truth. That there is a cost. There is a price to pay through salvation. Turning from your old wicked ways. Becoming a new creation in Christ. Instead, just pray this simple prayer and it's, it, it's, it's just smooth sailing from here. Well, I got rough news for whoever. It ain't smooth sailing from there. It's a rocky road. And it's a road in which we must be diligent to stay in fellowship. Where we're constantly reviewing ourselves. I don't know about you, but I ha I'm so consumed with trying to, to check on myself, I don't have time to worry about whether you're doing right or wrong. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your examples here. In scripture we thank you that you have painted such a clear picture of your sovereignty of your omnipotence Lord we thank you that you have made provision for your chosen people we thank you that you have promised and will continue to deliver your people through every trial and tribulation that comes through every foul government that is placed over us, you will and have promised to see us out of it. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We ask that you be with our prayer requests that we're here this morning. Father, you know each and every need better than we do. Father, we ask that in each and every one of those circumstances that you do whatever will bring the most honor and glory to you. And that those testimonies through those circumstances might point folks straight to Jesus. Plead the blood of Jesus over this church and your people. And ask that you continue to lead and guide us, direct us. Let us be what you called us to be and nothing more. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.